Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How is your alternate Monday? Uh, it is uh, sucky because it snowed here yesterday, Dennis. I know we, we don't like to start off with weather reports like we always do, but that's, holy that's cow, not a thing that we snowed. ever do. We never start the podcast talking about weather. It freaking snowed. Um, by the way, recording, this is April. This is April, late April. Yeah. April 21st, 2021. Um, and it wasn't just like, oh, look, there's some some little bit of flurries and then it's gone out there. It was in the morning when I went upstairs and looked outside. I, long listeners of the show will know that I'm three or four hours north of uh, where you are in southern Indiana. I'm in northern Indiana. And yeah, like flurries coming down in the morning and then just kept falling all day. Okay. Had a good, like, good dusting of snow all over the lawn and the bushes i was going to mow the lawn last week we had like an inch of snow uh, and and this morning it was out there and the roofs were full of the all it was actually very pretty the trees were all completely lined all with Mm -hmm. with snow and it melted by the end of the day which is weird because i'm working from home and and i would hear like it sounded like rain happening outside it was just all all (laughs) the the roofs snow snow melting dripping Yeah. yeah so it was it that being said, for people who don't understand, you know, the, the weather trends here in stupid Indiana, uh, USA, it was 28 degrees last night and this morning and yesterday so that it could, you know, snow uh, in the U.S. Mm-hmm. at 32 for Fahrenheit is, is freezing for people in the Celsius. Yeah. Uh, and then the today it was like 58 degrees, which is, you know. Yeah. That's more normal April. Yeah. But 30 degrees swing, a- you know, that's freak freak uh cold front came through or something I don't yeah know. well anyway yeah that was a thing it was not too bad I, I hope it doesn't like kill all the plants that people you know hold deer or whatever but yeah yeah we had snow on on our tulips mom has tulips oh yeah yeah that was really weird sydney was looking out the 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 window and seeing like it's all over you know there's some dandelions over there and the dandelions that are out there have turned into the white puffy dandelions right already mm. and they were covered in snow and she's like it's it's weighing them down i was like yeah that's because <laughs> that's not how it happens it's you know maybe it's maybe wild. snow on yeah. the yellow dandelions but not in its puppy form yeah anyway yeah that that was uh quite a little bit of an, an event yesterday and uh, hopefully it'll go away and we'll be back to our, our normal wonderful warm spring how was uh the the last week for you do anything cool and fun um let me think. Um, well, as I mentioned, I think last week, my sister and I have been watching um, some old animes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, watched some more of those. Um, I think you would probably like uh, Legends, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. I think I have all my plurals right on that show now. Um, I think I said it Galactic Hero last <laughs> week. But it's Galactic Heroes because there are multiple characters. Um, it's... It's old, like I said, it's from the eighties, late eighties. Um, but uh it has a kind of like big big scale political intrigue kind of theme, uh, but in space. Again, we're like six episodes into it, so not super far, but it seems like they've just wrapped up a major arc and are going into uh something new. So wow. um, that might be one you want to check out. Other than that, Let's see. Um, I did try cooking something I've never made before. Oh, yeah? Um, like? It's asparagus? called... Asparagus? 
No, no. It's it's called karaage. I'm probably not pronouncing that right, but it's basically Japanese fried chicken. Oh, uh, interesting. You take chicken, uh, dark meat, thigh meat, you cut it into pieces. You're supposed to get boneless chicken thighs, which you can't get here in the U.S. with the skin still on them, yeah. apparently. So I had to cut all the meat off the bone raw, which is annoying. Um, it's marinated in... Um, what sake, soy sauce, garlic, and ginger. Your basic Ooh, that, Asian, yeah, that all sounds delicious seasonings, but uh, with the sake there for the the Japanese part of it, and then it marinates for like half hour to an hour, and then you uh, coat it in flour, and then you're supposed to use uh, potato starch. We had corn starch because mm-hmm. this is America, <laughs> um, and and then deep fried. Oh, right, okay. Um, and it it's it's deep fried and then at like a, a lower temp and then fried again at a higher temp to give it a give it a crisp. Like the first frying is to cook it, and the second is to give the make the skin really crisp. Oh, okay, and it turned out really good. Yummy. So that's what I did uh, uh, this past weekend. Um, other than that, nothing major. We played. We've been playing some Satisfactory. I think we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Though. So I think what about burned, you? burned too many time, hours on that this weekend has been yeah yeah <laughs> been, been my thing yeah I, uh, not not a whole lot I'd, I'd hope to get out to um, um, uh, the movie theater but didn't get a chance to to do any of that because um, I was I, for some reason I had it in my head that Mortal Kombat was going to come out last week but mm. got shuttled off to a week later which is I don't know what's up with that that movie mm-hmm. but you know I, I'm old school Mortal Kombat fan always kind of just. You know, you have everybody has their thing, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And and Mortal yeah. Kombat's kind of been one of my things, and I and I enjoy it or whatever. But so I, I uh, you know, I'd like to watch this one in in a big screen as kind of you know it's meant to be seen, I guess you could say. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably watch, hopefully watch it this weekend. But I get to play a little bit more in my city with that's our, you know, family friendly. Uh, oh yeah, game, yeah. Which, it's been pretty fun. Uh, it's it's interesting because I'm playing it with people besides Sydney, like Shelly and her daughter Lola, are mm-hmm. um, uh, non board gamers. Although her her daughter, who's ten, uh, tends to like. I'm, I've been getting I get her little games that we play some board games more for her age, and she really enjoys those. Um, sure, and, I mean it's it's good. It's it's like modern day. No longer do kids have to suffer through Monopoly and Sorry and whatever. You can actually get them fun games. Um, yeah, and C- Candyland. Yeah, you don't have to watch everything. It's not just randomly dice rolling or whatever. Um, or uh, what's the what's one? Sorry. Sorry, life. Yeah, and you get really really advanced, and you're doing Yahtzee, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, that's when we were kids. But anyway, so you know, she she's yeah, yeah. she's much more excited and do, plays the different games, and we and her and I really enjoy playing those things. But her mom really isn't like a, a game player much at all. Um, I think sure. the most she, you know, advanced she plays is like sorry, I'm not playing. She'll play the ones that we play. So she, the whole point of this is that she gets uh, doesn't understand why things are the way they are, and it, because they're not like the games like when she was a kid, right? So we, we okay, sure. The, the biggest one that really she didn't like at all. <laughs> it's funny. She won in this week's. She is the first time playing, so she won in this week's uh, legacy game, whatever. And we're playing this game, and at the end. One of the the neat things, because it's a fairy family game, is that the people the person who is in last place 
gets a sticker on their board that helps them out from then on, right? It's like a, it's like a, a help help uh-huh. thing. And the person a, who a ketchup mechanic, right? And the person who won gets like little rocks they put on their thing that hinders them going forward, right? <laughs> and and she was like, I don't. I see where this story exactly. Going. And she's like, I I don't understand why why am I putting rocks on my board, but you know you're putting trees on your board. And I was like, well, because the loser. You know, has a. I, this, I'm trying to explain to her ketchup mechanic. Like, what, what that means, you know, so that it, you know, that someone maybe the little kids will who aren't doing so well can have a really good chance of just kind of doing minimum and winning, right? Or coming back. She's like, but I won, and I think it's dumb that I have to get the worst. I don't get a prize. I get the worst thing, right? I was like, <laughs> right, <laughs> like right. I get what you're saying, and I know how that is on old things, but you know, that's not how it is now. She's like, I, I think I kept w- w- waiting for her to say, I want to crush my enemies and. How come I can't do that? <laughs> so it, it, that that was such an interesting way to to look at some things. Like, no, honey, we're. I don't know. I don't know how. Uh, what am I trying to say? Um, campaign and legacy games. Well, I know what it is. It's risk legacy. Right, After right, risk say, legacy, yeah. I I told my I I made a vow. Um, yeah. No more, uh, no more competitive legacy yeah, games. Yeah. Um, because it's just too like the contention, the 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 drama and the arguments over risk are bad enough. But now, like those arguments are gonna carry on into the future, into future games of risk. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, we're we're throwing we, this game we've, away. We've said we're not playing this. Yeah. L- let's let's play something where we're working together. Co-ops. And right. so I don't know. I don't know if that's standard to have because of you know. Ketchup mechanics are not a norm in board games because board games are normally one and done. Like, yeah. like maybe that you know there are games that are more, as we say, snowbally, which is a sort of like if you're in the lead, you're a snowball rolling downhill, and so if you're the biggest snowball, you're going to roll faster and accumulate more, and you just run away with it. Yeah. As they say, I'm using a lot of idioms for this. That's the opposite of a ketchup mechanic. A ketchup mechanic is. If you ever played Mario Kart, there's a blue shell often given to players in low uh, 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 placing in the race. And that blue shell flies up to the front person in the front and makes them spin out so that everybody can pass them. Right. That's It's only made to punish the player in first place. And it gives everybody else a chance to, as we say, catch up. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so that's and, that's interesting. I mean, obviously... Uh, as Fox said, you know, my city is a family oriented game. So you want to, it's a little bit like, I guess the way that you would explain it to a, a a normal or a, or a non board gamer is it's like handicaps in certain sports like golf and bowling. If you do league bowling, um, and and she, and she got, she got points like victory points for the overall campaign. Right. When, when. The last right. person, place person, did get got zero points. Right. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit of that kind of thing. But if you do if you do a sport with handicaps, your handicap goes up as your your score is worse. Right. It's yep. an inverse relationship. So if you if you bowl really poorly, you're going to have a high handicap that gets added to your score, so that players of varying skill levels can still compete. And be competitive, right? Yeah, the, the person who's yeah. really good has to be really, really good to beat somebody with a really bad handicap, right? Uh, yeah, and and risk legacy 
there's so much to hate about that game. I, I, I do want to start before I rail on it a bit was the, um, <laughs> was that it, it was the first, right? It was the first legacy game that, that we had around. And, um, I give it huge credit for that. It did a lot of things. It had, it had, you know, stickers on a board. It had writing on a board. It had packages that you unlocked that added major mechanics to the game. It, it did a lot. And I, I think it was really groundbreaking and really good in that regard. Um, and, and it obviously inspired dozens of others that have only improved upon it. So there's that. The other thing is like right. it, the fact that it was based on risk, one of the worst games, which I know some people say one yeah. of the best games, but the reason Risk was one of the best games is because it was the only one of its kind back then. It's kind of like when we talk about movies yeah. on our movie show. Like, well, this was great when it came out in 1955. Yeah, but it's terrible now, right? Sure, um, sure. Same, same kind of concept. But anyway, the thing with, with Risk Legacy was um, it, it, it had exactly what you just talked about. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Like that, and it, I think it taught everybody that if you're playing 12 games and you give somebody a nuke, in round two, and then you know, if you win again, every you get another nuke, and then you get another nuke, and you realize that oh, the nuke caused the other helped the other person that won last time to win again, and he gets another one, and now he's doubly even going to win this one, and now he's going to mm. th- three or four. and then when you get four, you unlock this the super secret race that lets you be even more powerful, and now you've got four nukes, and you're the most powerful race because it's just, and everyone hates it. Right. <laughs> and, and I know that, yeah. that it's kind of like giving a reward. That sounds unfun. Yeah. The, the idea I think and, and was that you're not supposed to let somebody win. Right. It's like, Oh, if somebody's winning, sure. I think it might have said it is uh, advice in the game. It's like, if somebody's winning uh, and is, has won last time, everyone should try to, to defeat that person. And, mm. and that, that was the goal. It's like, you should, it's, it wants to encourage teamwork when the people who, would and that, that's what its whole idea of mecha- the catch-up mechanic was is that you would all band together. Uh, unfortunately, I know in our group we had a very persuasive person who happened to be in the league, in the lead, <laughs> Pete. Yeah, and and he was like, no, 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 you should play for, to play your own game and to win. And we also had players that played like that. It was like I play my own game to win. What's most advantageous to me? Not necessarily yep. to beat anyone else. Yeah, but that's not I mean how it that's yeah that's often part of our whole. Uh, gaming philosophy in our friend group is if you if you take actions on your turn with the soul if it's a you know typical euro kind of most euro games are more racy than um not racy that's a normal word that's a different word um they are games where you are racing not games where you are fighting um if you take actions to on your turn with the sole intent of hindering another player you are probably hurting them but almost always also hurting yourself if by nothing else then you're not making any progress um and so it depends on the game of course i'm generalizing but 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 yeah yeah yeah. i could see that happening with our friend group and risk and having a kind of like you know detente kind of strategy and then somebody just runs away with the victory every time yeah it's 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 a little problematic i think for the game to be designed assuming a certain attitude of the players that's not that's not enforced by the rules in some yeah. way. We had that issue with some of the mechanics of Gloomhaven. But but other games since then that we've played have saw that and I think it was so strong with Risk Legacy that other legacy designers have said, okay, this is clearly a bad thing that happened in this game because of that. And and have had mm-hmm. have made taken pains to to change that. Some of them mainly a lot of the legacy games, like you said, had 
focused on, uh, you know, uh, co-op, which is, you know, a way to do it. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I played a, a couple, but maybe just a couple um, PvP ones. And I think what, what, what they've done is that when you win, uh, you basically, I, I'll say that this for, for Clank Legacy, which is one that we are still in the middle of for mm -hmm. a year of because of 20 pandemic, <laughs> um, yeah, is yeah. that like the, for example, the winner gets to pick the changes to the board, right? So like okay. a, a sticker comes out and there's two things that can happen. You can go down this way to the mage's tower or you can rescue the sheriff and the winner gets to pick. And then that changes the board, right? Um, and then another thing is, is that we all have our separate decks, yes. And there are, let's say, eight new cards that that come out that are that you unlocked in this adventure. Um, and there's four players, and the the first player gets first pick, right? So when okay. you get down to the the one who lost and did terrible, he he. He has he's got the fourth pick, but he still has you know four or he's got five different cards to pick from, so it's not like okay. he's totally shafted yeah. with the worst card in the game. You know that just just winning lets you make your more strategic deck first that you would want to, right? Right. Uh, right. So it's it's they I think they've really been they make those kind of uh, decisions like that. I know him. We played um, another game. I'm struggling to to remember right now, but uh, where it was a PvP type thing, and it was the same way. It's like you you on the next one, you get to pick starting location, right? Mm -hmm. and, so it's so you get a you get a benefit for winning, but it's not it's not overpowered, like it's not game breaking. Yeah, and, and that's I, and all of those have been very very intentional that that you're not did, you're not given an advantage in power in the next game. Or in any game, yeah. right? Yeah. If anything, is that um, lets you diversify in your way better? You know, sure, sure. So you, yeah, you get a you get a little bit of an advantage, but it's not, yeah, it's not too uh, powerful. Did you play um, Scythe Legacy? I did not play Scythe Legacy, but I think I you think didn't. that was I the same way. Though, is, it, is that they they had sure. the same armies every time? I think this the boards changed based on that mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, but you know, I, and I don't know how this game, but works, but like with how that works, but I know you could easily do, you only have five territories and then you, let's say you play a game and you're, you're taking over territories and you win and you end up having like 20. Um, and then, and then mm -hmm. you can say, well, the rules are because you won, you have to pick five spaces on your board that are contiguous and you start, that's your starting because you won. Right. But you don't get to keep 20. Right. You always have five, right. but because you won, you have a, a more breadth of options to available to you. Sure. So anyway, yeah, the, I think games have done better, but man, Risk Legacy was really bad. And this this My City is <laughs> is perfectly made for a family type. We've said that before, yeah. and, and that's that's one of the things. Like it knows that you're going to be playing this with ten year olds, and you know they they need to give the ten year old really big advantages to, to come back. And then as soon as that ten year old you know, self-correcting. Once they get too good of advantages, mm -hmm. then they won't get those advantages anymore. Right. Right. And then it that um I mean, I don't know which game of, of pandemic legacy you were in, but it has a sort of uh correcting it's not catch up mechanic because that game is cooperative, but if you it was like uh power cards yeah. that would go in the deck and by default you would get four. 
And if you won a month, then you would go down to two the following month. And if yep. you lost, you would go up to six. Right. And so it would it would sort of balance you out back and forth if you were struggling to get through a month. Yeah, a couple helping things. And, and th- that yeah. that came out right after risk, you know, a year or so after risk. And and, mm-hmm. and I think that that was a perfect example. Like, hey, we, and it's, while it's co-op, we still need to figure out a way for them to, if you're losing, that it doesn't suck. Because I know coming, coming to, last thing I'm going to say about risk was that coming to play every week felt awful. Like, I don't want to play this. <laughs> and we have, and we have weeks and weeks and weeks left and I am, have no chance of winning. Yeah. I'm going to get Social demolished, to- you know, and somebody else on the table had, has had fun for the last four months and is just gleefully waiting to come and win again. Right. It makes, it makes the experience of the game just terrible. That that's, that's, that's my nightmare. Yeah. Right. Right. That you have <laughs> to come because of social obligations, but you know, you're, you just, you, it's impossible to win. I, I'm amazed that we actually made it through all 12 of that one. But it, again, it was the first time we'd ever, ever done that. We, it's been famous in our friend group. There was uh, some pivotal moments in there where we all decided because of huge fights that uh, we need to no longer take it seriously. <laughs> you know, hmm. yeah. People need to no longer try so hard and just play. Right. Yeah. Which was, you know, helpful. Anyway, uh, yeah, we didn't play in the league. So I played that, that game this weekend, and it, it's fun and, and good and light, and it takes you know 20 minutes mm-hmm. to play, and the kids are always ready to go. It packs up lightly. Um, so that's good. Nice. I finished uh, – I did finish The Last Kingdom, mm. which I good. I finished season two, so we could talk about Yeah, you want to talk that. about just a little bit of that? Just, just for a little bit? We can spoiler go spoiler section for that stuff. Sure. Okay. I'm going to hit the bell here because we're going to talk about the Netflix original series, The Last Kingdom, through the end of the second season. So first and second season, mostly second season. I'm going to hit the bell now. I'll start off just just a quick overall season or series comment. It's Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I'm sad that I have to wait so long now to watch another one. Mm -hmm. Right? Like (laughs) It's it's been a joy for me to to spend an hour occasionally watching these shows. Um, because they do feel like we've both said at the beginning, every hour feels like it's so much, not, not in like exhaustingly tired, but like a, an adventure, you know? Um, yeah. And then, and now that they're there, I'm caught up with the se- the series. I feel like I don't have another adventure to go to tonight. Right. <laughs> uh, which is a little sad. It's a good, it's a sure. very good, yeah. good thing to be sad about. Um, so season two, what, what, what happened at the end of season two? Um, Boy, you know, I I make the mistake of watching this late at night. Oh right, and yeah, and forget it's it's probably been almost a week. Do you remember? Um, do you remember if anybody died that you can think of? I'm trying. I I don't want to overdo. You know, play my hand, and say something, speak up a little bit too much, since I've I've gone more. Yeah. So, um, they they go. Oh, it's the princess. The princess gets kidnapped by the brothers, and the one brother falls in love with her. Oh, Ethelflaed. Yes, okay. The, um, and the uh, do both of the brothers die? Definitely, 
Yes. The one who falls in love with her, Sven. Sven, right. Is his name Sven? There, there's uh-huh. Sven, Sven is the bad guy, I think. Sven and Eric. Eric. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sven, the one-eyed, is what it, what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He also has... He also has one hand. Because oh, is it, what, is, is it one eye or is it one hand? Yes. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking wrong, but it's been a while. Uh, the That was at uh, Bamfliot. Some of these names are, I mean, it's, they're, <laughs> they're legit names, right? But it's, it's so. Yeah. Bamfliot. Ba- Bamfliot. Yeah. Right. Something like that. Did we talk about um, the, the, how, why the names are all uh, Athel? Did we talk about that? Um,. I don't think we talked about it on the show, but yeah, they're like um There's Ethel Fled, Ethel uh, Red, et, and Ethel Wool. Ethel Fled is the princess and Ethel Red is her husband Correct. and Ethel Wald is the former king's son, unclaimed illegitimate son. Right. And I'm like, why are these names all the same? I thought I thought Abba and Appa were, were <laughs> Right. Too close. Uh, th- so Ethel I guess means noble. So that that's that's once you once I, I okay. learned that I was like oh that makes sense so you can e- easily yeah. say oh this person is of noble family by, by, the, it's, by their name it's it's funny how those like in English and of course this is English too <laughs> right, right. old English but like in in the U S we'll have like um and we didn't do this it started in England but there are names of places of towns that will have a syllable at the end that used to be a full word like um well like like ton like bloomington like that's just town that got shortened into they used to say you know london town yep right and obviously it's just london but names used you know place names used to be like that and then they would gradually get condensed into something smaller when when i was in ireland they have a lot of towns um with kill K-I-L yeah. at the beginning, like Kilcarney um, and, yeah. and, and uh, uh, Killarney and Kilcullen. Um, Kil, it's like, um, it's a short form of, of Kiel, which was like their word for a church. Okay. Um, and then it just came down, you know, got compressed down into uh, into one word. Yeah, the, um, the, the in this one... I like some of the ways that they say some stuff and, and it, I, I really appreciate the, um, when they, they show them and they switch over to what they're, they're called now, but then what they were called before type stuff. Right, so, right. so, you know, you know what those are, um, it, for people who are familiar with the area, maybe they're in, you know, Britain or whatever the, in season four, they go, they, uh, one of the major areas is that they deal with is Wales. They, they don't deal with any of their se- mm-hmm. seasons. And and it's pronounced Wales then. And now I can't think of Wa- you know the kingdom of Wales in England without calling it Wales. <laughs> it's all Wales, the That's people funny. of Wales. I actually want to. I, I really want to. I cannot still find. I guess I, we did find on the map like where Wessex is nowadays and where we we found is. a map. It it doesn't really match what they. So I think it's a different time. But of course, you know they're hundreds of years. Um, where these things were happening, where England was divided into these kingdoms. Yeah, and, and like Wessex um, is not the, I don't think it's the heart of England now, right? It's London would be in Mercia, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, which is, you know, interesting. So anyway, 
sorry, we're going to bigger picture there, but uh, <laughs> we're way off. Right. On. So geography, we know nothing. It, about. It's really weird. This, uh, how they have, um, the kids grow up. I mean, this, this has got a weird time thing happening. The, the kids grow up mm -hmm. from kids to adults and some characters, adults age, but then other ones don't like, it seems like, yeah, Alfred seems to age. They like make visibly put white stuff in his beard and, and white <laughs> hair. Right. And and then, but yeah, but sure enough, um, uh, the main character is always Uhtred is forever 27 years old. Right. He just mm -hmm, never changed. Mm -hmm. No matter how it happens in real time, even he just stays the same age. Uh, yeah. His, his makeup changes a little bit, I think, right. but, uh, other than that, no. He's not wearing Very as much uh, uh, mascara now effects. or anything. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's uh, it's always funny how they, how they do it. He, he you know he's not. Uh, although this season, who who's uh, I'm trying to think? There was a big thing that happened at the end, or I can't remember if this is season one. There was a big war. Who who what what girl is he with now? The main character, Uhtred. Uh, he's with um. I always want to say Giselle. It's Gisela. Gisela. Okay. Uh, she's she's uh, Dane, but I think raised in in England, um, in Northumbria. Northumbria, I think. Yeah. Her, her her brother was the one they tried to make king, warden of the north, or whatever they called it. Right. Um, oh, that's right. That was, guy. All right. He, he was super weak. Right. And yeah, he's uh, Uhtred has been with Gisela this whole season. I, I got the impression from season one that we were going to continue this pattern of like him meeting a girl, them being together for two or three episodes, which amounts to like mm -hmm. a year and a half right. or two, two or three years. And then something would happen and, you know, on to the next one. But it's he's had the same wife the whole for all of season two which is pretty so. refreshing <laughs> they probably i imagine they got some negative reviews for that on after season one i'm sure yeah the the uh gisela is probably of all the women in utrid's life was probably well i think a lot of people would say is the best woman he's he's had and and i still for me personally i think it was the one that was his true woman I would say, or, or yeah, they, they have the best fit. Husband. Yeah. They, they fit really well and, mm -hmm. and they do, everything works really well. I, I liked the sorceress girl that he was with. I think, think they seem yeah. to work, but I think this one, Gisela kind of puts him in his place and also supports him at the same time and, you know, grounds yeah. him, um, et cetera. What was her? Is, is, uh, is I something? He sold, I think. I think I've heard that doesn't seem no. right to me, but, yeah, it was something like that. She was my favorite, but I think for the story, for for him, as far as being a good match, um, Isla's the, the the best one that I've seen. Yeah, so far. and I think I think this show, and I don't know if this is a a long term let sneak in comment, but I think this show is really, really, really always focused on it grounding him in Wessex, and and like why why he yeah he wants to go to Bebenbur always and forever but and, mm -hmm. and he always wants to be a dane and he always wants to be but he's just every season from continuing on he is grounded in you know saxony uh england with the saxons and wessex mm -hmm. somehow kind of permanently and i think uh, uh gisela gave him a family 
everyone that tried to come in and like attack him and verbally and make him feel terrible, she would speak up and make them feel like idiots, you know, or disrespect mm-hmm. her or something. Uh, so he kind of had a home, right? He he got mm. I can't remember the name of his his area he lives in, but Cooker or Cookers, I can't remember what it is. Um, cook cook them. Cook them. That's right. So he he seems to like. I think Gisela really uh, grounded him with that kind of stuff, even though she's not from there either. Right. Which, which is still pretty cool. Alfred, how do you feel about Alfred? Do you, do you like that king or not like Alfred? I I go back and forth on Alfred. Like, he has his moments, and, you know, the bar for good characters in this world is pretty low because a lot of them are quite terrible. Yeah. Um, but... He's, 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 I don't want to say predictable, but he's kind of, he's kind of predictable or at least like consistent. Right. Right. He's got his, his, you know, code, his, his piety, his faith, and he mostly sticks to that. Right. Yeah. I agree. Um, the, the only yeah. part about Alfred, I think, that I don't know if it say holds him back or anything is, I, I well, I think I've always said I think his wife does, and, and that's because you know I'm a Christian myself, but in, in this thing, this time, <laughs> you know, Christianity really was, you know, it's that whole idea of separation between church and state. He yeah, he's it was a, in conflict with it, those two things. It was a political entity that was m- corrupt more often than not, at least from what we you know, have seen. Right. And and then when you have, when you have a guy that's trying to actually really truly be devout, that, that totally comes in conflict with the devout people who are trying to politically be politically corrupt. Trying to manipulate. Yeah, of course. Right. So it's, and he is just, I will say he does feel like he is angst all the time between what, you know, being, being a, a pious, you know, believer in Christ and then being king. Right. Those, those, mm-hmm. and, and I know yeah. back it's, that's something I think this show does pretty well is that it makes it that whole, uh, the King and the country is wrapped up in, in the church without mm-hmm. it being like a Pope. Right. Uh, right. So, and then obviously the, the whole priests and the, the, the monks. And yeah. Are, I mean, that's how I, I don't know if this is always the case, but in, in England for sure, like, the the foundation of the monarchy was divine right right like the the king was the the king or the queen the the monarch was um ordained right was was god's representative to the people that's part of how the monarchy stayed in power like they they worked with the church to you know hold power over the people with this you know this divine perspective of like you know this is not this is not a man who is you know this is god's chosen you know and obviously that didn't originate with england yeah. but um it was and i think at least if um if what i've seen on the netflix series the crown is is accurate it was still true the last time england got a new monarch which was like in the late forties, right? Uh, Elizabeth's been ago. queen a long time. The the yeah. what do you think about? Uh, is it Ada? Is that how you say his name? Ada the Elder. 
the the old guy. Yeah. Uh, like he, he, he went was... against the king and getting they made him drunk and. Yeah. Does he? He gets banished at the end, doesn't he? I've already forgotten. I, th- I thought that he didn't he die at at the like at Bamfleet? Didn't he get attacked? He raised his mm. own feared, and then uh, he died for, in that fight, I believe. I uh, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, he he does that. That seems like seems like a betrayal. But then you know they get attacked, so it's not. Uh, they don't have time to to deal with that. I I felt like he survived, and the king banished him. But I could be wrong. I I I, I um, know that there was a time when he banished him, but he went he went off and ran and. Raised his own feud, feared, 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 um, and then feared, yeah, and then attacked Bamfleet to, you know, and Arthur, Arthur, Alfred comes comes after him. <laughs> I'll tell you something about Alfred that bugs me, is that his his constant battle with with Uhtred. like it just mm-hmm. like Uhtred's one of those guys that just comes back and says, "No, you just need to do this. This is the way to do it. This is the right way to do it. Just do it." And then every Alfred's yeah. always like, "No, I can't do it because that way because it's just." wrong and god wouldn't let that or then he listens to like the 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 priest that's clearly out to get everybody you know yeah there's a there's a while in this season where there's a bad um abbot a bad religious uh uh leader and and he um yeah is just against utrid the whole time i mean that's the i don't know what however any of this is is accurate to history but the main conflict between alfred and utrid is over faith yeah right like utrid is basically agnostic and so for a a pious king like alfred who believes that he rules over the people in in god's service it's really hard for him to put unconditional trust in a guy who doesn't trust him like utrid serves him unfailingly but doesn't he they don't they don't trust each other completely and so you know Uhtred will act without um you know will act on his own and this is the season where they go to the 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 dead man whatever they call that the the guy who comes up out of the grave oh right predicts that he'll be king right that's a thing with um yeah right Aethelwold, the, the ghost, and, and the, yeah, the ghost, the dead, and man. he doesn't, and Uhtred doesn't tell Alfred about that. He spins this story of like, there's this and this going, and we got to take care of that, and it's true, but he, it, it's like a convenient story he has when Alfred questions him on why he crossed the border when he wasn't supposed to, and so he does stuff like he, he, Uhtred is a man of his word, right? So he won't go against Alfred, but it's difficult for. A, a pious man, a godly man, to fully trust the word of an agnostic, or as they say, a pagan. Um, and yeah, so there's just this this sort of constant struggle with them. It is frustrating to watch yeah. because, of course, as the viewer, we know that um, Alfred wouldn't or uh, Uhtred wouldn't stay at all if he was not a man of his word. Like he's he's bound. He. You know, that's most of the show, at least from what I've seen so far, is that he has a thing that he wants, that he wants to do. He wants to reclaim his ancestral home or whatever. But because he swore himself to Alfred, he can't and doesn't um, because he, again, is a man of story. I agree. Yeah. I, I, some of my favorite people in the whole series are 
Uhtred's buddies. Like he starts having buddies, I think, since the <laughs> beginning, right? And yeah, they they change around, but yeah, he's usually got somebody, some some pithy sidekick with some good quips. Always, there's those are always my favorite people, and and I can't remember. I I know that you were when you were talking about the the ghost person. That means Citric is in here, which is like the he was a Dane that got captured or something. Remember that he's like his. Is he the, is he the big one? What's the big one's name? Uh, Citric's the guy that he's kind of a small, skinny one who he had. They had Citric watch. I think it was Citric had had Citric watch the from Him from afar. stay in Bamfilot yeah. and yeah and and keep watch over yeah yeah and he he's always because he's a Dane so he's they always mm-hmm. send Citric out to be like a spy all the time right um but yeah. I, I and I like Citric like he just continues to get to get better um. But like that, he's an example of he just randomly shows up one episode out of nowhere at a no important thing and is like, I, I want to join you. And then he says, OK. And then now he's part he's forever his best buddy. Now he's now he's with him. That's the like if I were going to say something negative about this show, that's the that's the challenge is because it's this Netflix like binge model thing. And because they cover whole stories in a single episode. Yeah. And then we'll time jump to something new. You get these characters that seem like sometimes you miss where they're introduced and you're like, wait, this guy is like the king's uh, main confidant. Where the heck did he come from? <laughs> right. Um, you really got to like, pay attention just, every episode. Just just randomly, there's a there's a new character hanging out with Bianca and he's a he's a monk who used to be. I don't know, an MMA fighter or oh, something. Oh, Father Pulerick? I love that guy. He's so good. Yeah. He's just like a, a really belligerent monk. And you're like, who is who the heck is this guy? And, then, you know, of course, they they do stuff with his character that yeah. season. But I'm like, where did he come from? Love Father Pulerick. That dude is, because he's like, he is, he's like, he said MMA fighter. He's like this brawler, used to be a fighter guy. But he, he just constantly doesn't want to do it. But, man, don't push him, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you push that dude, he'll beat the crap out of you and then run away. Yeah. Uh, or not run away, but like you know, just n- not kill you and then take off. Uh, lo- yeah. Love that guy. He he's really good. Yeah, I, you know, obviously, I don't think Biaka. I wouldn't call Biaka his uh, one of his sidekicks, but you know, he's he's occasionally with him too. Um, no, that, that's just where you meet him. Is he's talking to to Father Biaka, and you're like, who is this guy? He seems like like he's always drinking and once he's talking about women, and I'm like, this is not this is not a monk. This isn't how a monk behaves. So so. Another one of the, the sidekicks I like that I, I've, I've mentioned before that I, I, I really like um, is um, Hild. She was one of the, the buddies mm-hmm. too. Sa- same exact thing. Like blink and you miss it. And Hild was was introduced. You know, she was getting gonna yeah, gonna be she, raped at one minute, and she's just this random person. She was a nun. She was a nun in this um, uh, abbey or whatever, yep. getting a, getting raided by Danes, and then she decides that pacifism isn't for her now she's gonna learn to learn to to, to wield a sword and that happens and, uh, that episode too i think yeah. that might even been season one even but i know that that was the season where the the danes invaded wessex like right westchester like just they came in and took over the main city and you're like what the heck they just came in and took it over and then mm-hmm. and, and then they're all hiding hiding for their lives and that's when you know, she just comes in there and they're going to rape her and they save her. And she just, just ran. all of a sudden now she's a major, major part of the cast and one of his best buddies. I'm like, love it. Just, I love how that just randomly mm-hmm. happens. You never would know. 
that also quite the do you know about i'm trying to see without saying too many things was there ever a thing where slavery was involved has that happened yet any, any slavery several episodes I mean, where there was slavers and there's stuff? there's an episode where uh utrid gets sold okay that's 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 the brother that's I forget his name now, but he was Gisela's brother. Um, yes, right. He gets sells sold, yeah. him, yeah, sells him into slavery to to keep some group of Danes off of him, right? Or no, uh, it's the deal so that the guy, his Uhtred's uncle or whatever, who's holding his manor in—they're not called manors, but he's holding his his seat in in Bebenburg. He makes a deal with this king to, or not, he's not really a king, but whatever. Makes a deal with him to help him, but only if he gets rid of Uhtred. I remember that now. Yeah, the, I couldn't remember what led up to that one. Uh, the, the, the reason I was trying to beat around that one, obviously, is that it's pretty big a thing when he goes and becomes a slave and when that happens. Mm-hmm. But it introduces, again, randomly out of nowhere, Finnan, which is... Like again, becomes his best buddy of all time and survives through the slavery thing mm-hmm. with him. And then you obviously yeah. you lose the other buddy at the same time, which is really cool. And that was right, that was right. devastating when when that happened. One of the one of the buddies in season two was a really big guy, and I don't remember his name or where he came from. But in the battle at Bienfliot, he like stays and fights off a bunch of Danes so that they can escape. Yeah, and he and he he gets totally Boromir. Oh, does does he pretty murdered? He's just like surrounded by guys, and he keeps fighting. Oh, that big dude! Yeah, that guy was cool. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, that was near the end. You know, that was the first time that I remember the last episode. Yeah, that's that's the first time I remembered like recognizing this was the last episode of the season, and I'm like, okay, I have to accept that somebody's going to die here. They they they've been kicking Mm -hmm. butt for too long without people dying. And then when they right. went into that battle, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of there's a lot of chaff to break off here. That that <laughs> happened in season one too, where like all the episodes of this show are long, and but you get to an episode where like somebody kind of important gets brutally murdered in the first act of the episode, and you're like, wait a second, what episode? Let me tap. My <laughs> Am I in the last oh, bit or not? <laughs> this is this is episode eight. We're in the season finale now. Yeah, yeah. This is. This is all all no holds barred. All bets are off. And almost almost every time there's a there's a fight like a war a battle somebody important mm-hmm. dies. Not not all the time because yeah. actually I, it's my favorite thing. That's like okay, who's dying in this battle? Who's dying? And then no one does. You're like oh god, everybody made it. Thank God, right? <laughs> because because especially when you go into one of those battles like there's only a few of the main cast. And you're like oh no, there's only like three people I I know in this battle. Who's gonna die? And then, and then they, yeah. they don't die. Uh, so anyway, Finnan and Citric are the two. I'm glad that I can say their names now because they're they're two of my favorite people in the entire series. And they're not. Mm. I think I like them because they're never anything but just like happily sidekicks, right? They mm-hmm. they're totally badass. They're incredible, but they just like serve Utric, and that's it. That's just they're like they have no ambition to do more than that. Right, and I always love when Utrecht will go like meet the king or talking big stuff with different people, or he's trying to inspire somebody. It's always uh, Citric and uh, Finnan, and then there's uh, the priest that I always forget his name, who's the monk guy. 
uh, who are always like in the bar. He calls him Baby Monk. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah, who's the? He's Alfred's uh, bastard. Alfred's bastard, right? Uh, mm-hmm. there, there's one. By the way, there's one scene when, at one point, there's another famous, not famous, but like important bastard that comes across the, the scene, and that that monk guy says like, "Hey." Welcome to the bastard family. <laughs> they just start walking on. I'm like, there's so many of them everywhere. It's great. Uh, That's funny. So yeah, I I really really enjoy the cast of this show, and I and I love that the new ones that they come in. They keep casting good people, and mm-hmm. new characters are always just as good. And even when you lose somebody, like I, in, I think season three, I lost one of the people that was a secondary, maybe third tier character. But I was like, oh, I like that person. And then when mm-hmm. they die, you're like, oh, I wish they would have done something better. But he was very, very cool. Um, and then they'll kind of have another third tier person come in or at least an episode or two before or after that that like replaces that hole in yeah. the cast. Right. Yeah. And you're like, oh, OK, cool. That's the, you know, I got somebody new that's also awesome in their own way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, the, only, the only thing here's my bad thing to say about the show is that bad guys come and go. This is definitely all the time every time i see it almost always starts a series opening like oh this is the new bad guy okay cool no the villain of the season the villain of the season right and or maybe even the villain of like half a season or something it's like this arc Mm -hmm. is going to be about this villain okay i get it now thankfully it's always it ends up well at least for most of the seasons it's always a dane um and and it makes Mm -hmm. sense because just by definition danes are chaotic random self-destructive people Right. Yeah. So you you get the next guy who thinks he's Billy Badass, who's going to be take over all of everything, and they're and they're just so they're just so dumb is the, the best word to say it. Like they they come up there and they're just warmongering people, and then all you got to do is like shake a little bit of silver in front of them, and then they're like, oh oh, bone bone, you know, squirrel squirrel, uh, mm-hmm. and then you know you, we'll negotiate because we can get we can get some, some silver. You're like, Oh God, what, what's wrong with you? I thought you were going to some mission to take over all of England. And now you just give them a little bit of silver and they're like, okay, we're cool. We're good now. Right. Right. So crazy. There, there, I will say there is a villain at some point that happens who isn't to that. It's a Dane that isn't a crazy Dane. And you're like, Oh, mm. okay. And that, 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 that person is an interesting villain. So they do mix some yeah. things up. A, a worthy, but there's, worthy there opponent. is so much crazy Danes, you know? Yeah so much anyway yeah. that's cool series anyway yeah. it's it's a good it's a good show i said it when we talked about season one but it's still true if the premise of medieval vikings and and old english you know battles with swords and sometimes horses though usually on foot um and some political intrigue and that kind of stuff uh sounds interesting to you check it out it's on netflix yeah definitely good. um i also finished a netflix series called Bridgerton. Oh, you finished you that. that one? I know you talked mm-hmm. about that. I, I told you I started watching The Crown, so I know it's not the same. Ah. But you watched some yeah. of The Crown, right? Uh, I've seen all The Crown. All the it's, Crown. it's a show that um, my family watched. Wh- so which which they, of those two do you like better? Oh, they're really different. Are they? Okay. Um, okay. How so? Uh, Bridgerton is like if you took Pride and Prejudice yeah. or any number of stories in that genre in that setting except you made it an alternate history where this is not important in the show any in any way it's just a thing that 
uh, I found jarring at first. It's an alternate history where there appears to be no racism and possibly no slavery. Like there are servants that are persons of color, but the 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 nobles are both Caucasian and and persons of color, and nobody mentions it or addresses it in any way. It's just a, a, an alternate reality in the same way that you know the the reality put forth by Jane Austen is not really real, right? It's still right. fictitious. Um, I only mention that because I found it distracting at first until. Uh, I looked up online and they were like, yeah, they just told this story. There's one of the queens of England could have possibly been a person of color. It's not confirmed or unconfirmed. And so in this, they're like, yeah, she was. And so this happened and it's not part of the story in any way. Got it. Um, anyway, I, I just mentioned that as an aside. The main thing is imagine a Jane Austen story, except they they show the love scenes like not to a game of thrones level yeah but to a point where you see you know brief nudity and you know very clear love making scenes yeah um and i don't know there must there must be language i don't i don't notice whether whether there's language or not unless it's really unless it's really noticeable but the the um there's a character who is a, a newspaper uh writer a reporter who um publishes all this kind of salacious gossip about the people of the town yeah and nobody knows who she is and it's voiced by um julie andrews oh, from yeah uh you know sound of music and mary poppins um and i think in the first episode in one of these narrations um she swears. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Julie Andrews swearing. <laughs> Mary Poppins doesn't swear. <laughs> right. Um, oh, my goodness. But, yeah. So that's um, that's the best way I can describe that show. It's It's kind of a weird... It's kind of a weird thing for me because I associate those kind of costume dramas with things my parents would watch. And my parents would not watch this show. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. It's too, like... They, it's probably a good comparison, maybe as far as as far as the quote unquote adult content would be Outlander. Um, oh, yeah. I know that's a show you've seen. Yeah. yeah um, yeah. without the the sort of tortury abuse uh, <laughs> that, that whole line that on happens that one. in right. in in Outlander, but in terms of like what the characters do and what they show on screen, um. Anyway, and I finished the, that. The Crown was, is his, is historical fiction all the way through. It's historical fiction, and so it's it's pretty it's pretty clean all the way through. I, I, I think there's one there's one s- set of episodes in the first or second season. I, I had not not to tangent off of your Bridgerton thing, but I no, I've I've nothing more to say about that. If if the description I gave sounds interesting to you, there's a good chance you've already seen it. Netflix pushes their original content pretty pretty heavily if right if, uh they, they did for me for sure i i had i had kind of always been i, I was i did a little bit of inter, self-introspection here like i'm not i've never really okay. ever been interested in like the royal family at all i i sure except for the idea that um 
I really enjoy, I like I like the Legend of King Arthur and all knights and stuff. I love that, and it makes mm-hmm. me sad what mm-hmm. they what that's turned into now. Right? That's that's the only sure. link that of interest to the royal family okay. nowadays. Uh, but you know, mildly, like, how did that come to be, or what's that all? You know, how does it work today? Just a passing thing, but nothing that, to get my interest. But as I get older, I realize, you know, um, I've I've uh, delved into many of my interests throughout life that I've always kind of wanted to do. And now I'm getting down to the things that are only passing interest. (laughs) And so now my book, I can catch up to the passing interest of what's this Royal family thing about. Uh, Sure. And and I always thought about watching the crown, but you know, I I think I got into the episode like, this is heavy. We've talked about a little bit of like, it's kind of, do I really get interested? And And I also, the first episode that I did watch, I didn't understand anybody or any historical perspective in the people. Mm. I, I didn't know what was going on, and I felt like I needed yeah. to know that. So Netflix has a, was just started just like last week, pushing this um, other series, like called like the Windsor Royal Family, which is, is a pure uh, documentary. Oh, a documentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, hey, cool. I can like watch this and then... You know, it'll let, tell me what I need to know. And I watched two episodes. I think there was only like four or so. I watched two episodes of that. It starts with King George V, which is like mm-hmm. World War One-ish or pre-World War One, like 1918 or something is when it starts. Mm-hmm. And, and when they change, they change the name from a very German name because they're all German, actually, which is a funny thing. Right. Uh, you know, England has such roots in, in Germany, like the Saxons of the movie we were just the show we were just talking about mm. are, is a German root. Saxony Germany is where yeah. that comes from. Um, so anyway, uh, they and it, t- it talked about King George and talked about his sons, and then it went through there, and then it went all the way through. The episode two went all the way through where um, Elizabeth becomes queen, and I'm like, oh, this mm-hmm. is cool. I remember in the first episode Elizabeth becomes queen on the crown. So now. I, I restarted the crown and I knew all the people. I'm like, oh, that's Birdie. Yeah. You know, that's the oh. Yeah, that's that's probably that's probably the biggest negative to that show. I mean, it's through four seasons and I'm sure you've heard this already, but after the first two seasons they do a time jump and recast everybody. I kinda heard that, yeah. Instead of, you know, instead of trying to have a thirty year old wear age you know do age makeup to be 90 yeah by the time they get to the end um and you know so they have a whole new cast and that was jarring yeah obviously right like Like, watching a whole new show you you jump ahead in time and everybody's everybody's slightly different you have opinions on the on the casting and all that but for the most part the the story the show assumes that you know famous events in english history yeah um and you know there's they're telling a lot of character stories so i understand why they don't you know they wouldn't have needed uh you know somebody to explain to the queen the importance of the suez canal yeah (laughs) of course of course now we all know how important the suez canal is from recent uh uh, news news event boats (laughs) get stuck in there but um you know all of all of that kind of stuff so it it just assumes that you know this happened at this time and you know churchill came back and this at this in this year and some of it is so i spend a lot of time and i do this with another show 
that came out around the same time called Victoria, uh, about Queen Victoria. Um, and there, there are a lot of parallels between these shows because there are parallels between those two figures in history, right? A lot of, um, a lot of the nobles across Europe at the time of, of Queen Elizabeth's reign were, um, Queen Victoria's grandchildren or maybe great grandchildren. I don't know how the math that works, but, um, you know, her descendants because Queen Victoria had like seven or eight surviving children. Right. Um, anyway, both of those shows, I would often find myself watching with Wikipedia open. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, who, who is this person who is, um, the Duke of Edinburgh's father yeah. or whatever. And I'm like, okay, so he was this and he was second cousin to, of this and this who was Queen Victoria's son yeah. or whatever, um, connecting all around. And then, of course, because it's real true history, you're like, what happened here? And, you know, sometimes it's accurate. Other times they're like, they do this here and this is happening at the same time, except historically that happened in 1951 and this happened in 1953 you know they just put it in the same episode it's um, it's uh i will say that watching that documentary really enhanced my enjoyment of the first three episodes like it it really i, I knew that. so much what was going on what had led up to here all the little things that the actors were doing that i would not have caught or that it, it sure. made it important to me the the main actor playing George the the fifth, uh, his real name was Birdie. Um, he he has mm-hmm. he ha- the documentary talks at some length about how he's a difficult speaker and he has a stutter, and and or a mm. stammer. And they would show like real footage, right, of video footage yeah. of him trying to talk. And and he wouldn't like he wouldn't like you know, st- stammer again. He would like struggle with a word and pause and kind of try to you know get it out of his mouth. Um, and the, the actor that played in the, in the crown did the same thing, but yeah. I didn't catch it. I didn't, I didn't right. realize that right. that's you a defining have, characteristic. You wouldn't have noticed. And it's a thing, um, to, to differentiate these two shows. Um, Queen Victoria was in the 1800s. If you know, yeah. you didn't know that. Um, and so there are like portraits, paintings of, of um you know these people but there's no you know there are no records of they're just descriptions right there are things that they wrote things that they said that people wrote down but there's no video of them there's no audio recordings there's no photographs um but the crown is is living memory right it's the last whatever 70 years of um more than that um of of history so there are things in season four three i forget they they introduce um diana princess diana oh right yeah right um who you know i and i'm sure you do too we're old enough to remember when she um died right but they introduce her character when she's younger and we watched it's on youtube um this sort of press interview that she and prince charles Charles, i want to say um they do this interview and you can see that 
real interview they have a record of and they recreate it on the show and the actors are trying to portray and and sort of mirror and mimic this you know scene i call it a scene but it's a real thing that, they that happened really did, and is right. and is and is recorded it's a kind of a fascinating thing yeah it, it it was it's it actually really did enhance it a whole lot and and i know that i should probably finish watching that that documentary before watching more of the crown because mm. you're right i, I can there was so much and shocked in the first three episodes of things that like little phrases or mannerisms that don't seem to be important to the overall big story but really really are set in the times when when uh Churchill says something offhand or he talks to like he gets reelected and he mentions somebody in a cabinet that was there before. And you're like, Oh, that dude was super important. And that was, he just, I, it places it in history. Like, Oh, he has just mm -hmm. been reelected. So that was, this is where Winston Churchill is right now in the story and in life and in history. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not the war, but it's here. And like, Oh, that, that just places so much. And, and I when in the um, documentary, it talks about, George V, when he passes away, the documentary episode two ends with like, they come back from uh, South Africa and mm -hmm. it was Elizabeth's um, first big speech at 21 years old and her big coming of age. And she really grew up on this trip and they come back to England and finally get back to her after this whole documentary episode. And then like, and then sadly, four years later, uh, King George dies from lung cancer and he was, to it was totally unexpected He because he was happy and went out, you know, rabbit shooting that day. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And then, but they, they just said that. They said that in that matter of 30 seconds, right? But in mm -hmm. The Crown Starts, he's starting to get sick. And then mm -hmm. he gets he gets his lung taken out. And then, you know, as soon as he finds out, you're like, I'm like, oh, it's on the clock. He's got four years. Right, he's got four years to go, right, and he's gonna right. die. And what's worth sad part is they like skip forward three years. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> poor guy, no. Um, yeah, yeah. Every time, also, I see, um, every single time I see Philip come on the screen on that show, mm -hmm. I'm like, that no matter what that dude does, he's gonna live to be 99. He's gonna be live to be 99 years old. <laughs> oh yeah, because <laughs> right? yeah. he just passed away. He just passed away. Right. Every that's, time he, he lights up a cigarette, I'm like, dude, you can do whatever you want because you're going to live to be 99 years old. That's uh, funny. And then, and then when King George is being told by his doctor that he has lung cancer, he's like, oh, shit. oh my gosh, uh, my nerves are in. Give me a cigarette. And they're like, here you go. The doctor gives him one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that's oh, what the heck? It's a different time. Right. And then the king's all worried, telling his family, you know, and his, his personal assistant there lights up a cigarette right next to him and then hands the cigarette to the king. I'm like, you're all murderers. <laughs> You're murderers. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, that, that it's yeah, been a, an yeah. interesting thing that I've. I don't know how long I'll, I'll keep my interest, but it's so cool having like his real history in the show that I'm watching, and all of a sudden, yeah, Charles is on the screen as a little kid, and I'm like, oh, that's that's the like goofy looking Prince Charles guy. Okay, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Anyway, that was well, weird to talk about that thing, but yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, hey, real quick, we should talk about okay. uh, is I also watched our show that we were talking about one to watch this weekend, which was um, Evan, Evan Neon. I keep wanting to say Evangelion, but it's Evangelion. They they call it. Yeah, I I I I often say Evangelion too, but it's it's like Evangelion. 
yeah. it's closer to the Japanese pronunciation. It's a hard G is how they pronounce it. Uh, so w- watch, watch that one. It's a, this was an older anime. What, it's old. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 80s, is that right? Uh, 95. 95, 90s, okay. Not as old as uh, uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, but yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty old. I know I, um, my sister and I are oh, probably close to eight to ten episodes into it. And I know that it was a stereotype for a long time. I'm off on a tangent a little bit here, but it was a stereotype for a long time how um, stylized and unrealistic um, Japanese or anime characters are. Yeah. And I think that while a lot of that is still true, like the female characters have gigantic eyes now, which is, you know, fairly typical. Like Disney does that too. Yeah. Um, in in this time, they didn't really have that. The eyes were closer to normal size, but there were a lot of other things about the, the character design that is just not, uh, it's not even close to to realistic like the way that chins are shaped and how right like tall and and wiry everybody is um it's just kind of interesting thing to notice how those uh how those styles change over time this definitely felt like an older anime to me i mean it's funny i don't i don't personally i'm because my age i don't think 95 is long ago or old um no but but it 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 Maybe it's just the storytelling way of it is. I mean, e- even anime has mm. kind of come a lot a long ways with its. Even it's got a lot of tropes. And anime does, but this this was this definitely feels like what when someone says an anime. Oh, this this checks off all the boxes at least. Sure, right? Um, yeah, I mean, if you you know if you have only you know if you if you have an idea of anime from you know, a decade ago, which again, is not even close to 95, but, um, maybe, maybe 20 years ago, 15 to 20 years ago. Um, yeah, you're thinking of stuff like this. You're thinking of, you know, Speed Racer and maybe Cowboy Bebop. Um, yeah, a lot of those kind of things. And it definitely still has a lot of tropes, just like every, uh, medium, but, um, I mean, and yeah. we've said before, so, anime is is very broad. So just saying, anime is very yeah. Not we, fair, we, had, we had this. I think that was last week or the week before. We went back and forth on this whole anime conversation, and it's really it's gotten so diverse now that it's not really fair to say anime is X or Y any more than you could say all movies yeah, are right. X to- or y. Totally fair, but it, it is in that same breath. It's also fair to say that most anime of the nineties and before were very similar to each other. Like it's, it's kind of, it's come a, a big Renaissance since then. And, and sure. It branched out and so big. And at least in the United States, at least our, uh, you know, I don't know, relationship with it or whatever, um, has sure. exper- experience with it. Uh, so that was all led to say that, that I had a hard, I watched three episodes and I had a hard time kind of watching it. They were only 30 minutes long. They're not long at all. It's not like it's really difficult to watch at all. It's just, um, the reason it was hard to watch is because it was like, they put the biggest over actors that you could ever have in, in a show. (laughs) Like every, every person is so overacting their roles. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it was very off putting. Uh, the, the girl, he, there's the, there's the boy who's the main character. I can never remember their names. Mm -hmm. Shinji. He's the, yeah he's he's the boy and he comes in and he's just sullen and super sullen he's like 
they have a character description and the actor and the writer wrote it so far so you know this is a sullen boy who is just a little mm-hmm. thing. And I can never tell his age because I think he's like 12, but then another time I he's there's girls flirting I, with him and they're showing him naked on the screen. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I th- I think I think they say that they're 14, so they're just in the early you know years of of coming of age of puberty okay. and and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And, and then of course they for some reason throw him into this high tech robot thing just out of the blue when he comes in. So mm-hmm. the first episode there's like no sense whatsoever. I understand it, what it what throws it throws you right into the action. And even having seen it, I watched this series oh probably around two thousand four or five, right? So again, yeah. fifteen years ago. Jeez. <laughs> um and and at that time it was only ten years old, right? It wasn't yeah. even that old. Um and even knowing Right, so I've seen it, yeah. but there's very little about it that I remember. Yeah. Um, and so I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay, I I rem- I know that this kid is a big deal. Um, they, I think it's just a. Well, again, I don't know because I don't remember, and so I'm I'm like racking my brain. I'm like, is it something to do with bloodline? Like he has to be, if he's because he's related, you know, his father is the director, and so there's all this angst. Because his, you know, his father has no interest in him personally, and only cares at least at the start. You know, you're meant to believe um, he's only interested in him as one of the very few potential pilots of these of these mechs. And um, yeah, and they and don't yeah really you're really just really thrown. Well. You're thrown right into the action. It's like they they bring him here, and he's got to do it, and it's and it's very much a like you know like yes all of this is is sudden and panicky and it's a long shot but you know the monster's coming up out of the ocean and this is our this is our only choice like this, it's it's a long shot but it's our only shot um right and, which, which which was a weird thing too it's like yeah like this is your only and then they talk about like the number one and number zero but number zero is more advanced than number one and later than which was confusing but that that wasn't the big thing like all that's fine that's just like you know sure. world building series building or whatever it is yeah, it, yeah. The, the, the 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 difficult part to watch and and i'll talk about this in a second was like i said the the extreme overacting of every character um and and the so you have and i couldn't tell i couldn't tell the tension of the scene you have one guy over here who's screaming as loud as possible, yelling up to the air with his big mouth and his arms that are flailing out like it's the weird thing in the world. Mm-hmm, and then the, mm-hmm. the guy next to him is just looking down and he's got a, a cigarette and, you know, shadow of his eyes and acting like it's no big deal. And then you've got another girl and that they cut to and she's like dancing around, playing around like she's, um, you know, flirting or fl- driving a car funny and it's not a big thing. And she's talking about her day. And I'm like, what? And she's just being really that. And then there's the sullen boy. I'm like, is this a tense scene? Is this what's happening? Because I think that the monster's attacking the city. <laughs> and this one guy's really, really into it. And the other people aren't. And then there's the the workers who seem to be just by the book. I can't tell what's going from scene to scene. And then it goes to the next scene, like when they're in their house. And she's having like a big party. But he's all depressed. But then there's somebody else calls and there's another robot thing that's really serious. I just can't tell because they're so, they're so, they've taken their characters to such extremes. 
I don't know what's happening here. Now, he, yeah. here's here's what I wanted to say about it. As I, I talked to Sydney about it. She's really into anime and manga these days. Mm-hmm. And she's re- watching mm-hmm. My Hero Academia and really into a lot of the stuff. Um, yep. and, and I had said, I think what we are just discussing it is that these are really geared towards uh, teenagers, like between, you know, 10 For or sure. so I'd say 13 to 22, maybe. Right. Um, at least that's what it was made. That's how they're. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're made. Right. Um, there, there, there are subdivisions within those. That's when, yes. um, when people say, and you if you watch, uh, at my hero academia, you'll hear, um, the main hero character use this honorific shonen. Yeah. Which is like, we would call middle schooler or like, like preteen or tween, right? It's, yeah. it's the, the shonen and the shonen genre is characterized by a lot of the things that you see in, in academia that's like. There's a lot of fights. They're just different kinds of fights, different kind of, you know, like um, I never saw Dragon Ball Z, but I think that's another one of those in that genre. It's definitely aimed at that at that age group. And, you know, obviously people outside of that can enjoy it, but you just you have to know that that's what you're. Yeah. And, and that's, 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 that's really important. Bit. I think that's really important. And when I, I, I get really distracted, not understanding and expecting something from these people who are super mm-hmm. overacting. When I talk about it, and I'm talking to Sid about it, and we're saying, like, the audience and the way it's written and the way the characters are and everything is for, for teenagers, you realize that teenagers, that's exactly how teenagers are. Every single mm-hmm. emotion is amplified. They're, whether they're in yeah. love yeah. or they're, so they're flirting with somebody or they're, they're broody or they're emo or they're excited or they're happy. Like, they're just amplified, right? Every emotion that you have during... The ages of thirteen yeah. the, and twenty. So you, yeah, you take you take a person who's th- this is a thing that, and I'm sh- I'm sure I've said this on the podcast before, but this is a thing that I heard within the last five to ten years. Um, somebody talking about children, right? Like right. you take a three year old who has just, you know, got a glass of chocolate milk and they spilled it, and they're sobbing like it's the end of the world, right? And the the thing people say is like, they're they react like that's the worst thing that's ever happened to them. Yeah. And you're like, they've only been alive three years. Right. It probably is the worst thing that's ever happened. Right. To yeah. And you, you wonder why this kid is so down on just his dad wanting his thing. Or it's his dad's serious. Like, cause the kid doesn't know how to deal with these emotions with his dad. Right. And yeah. He's a, he's a 14 year old kid whose dad left him to work on this project. And now he wants him to compile it a mech out of the blue and right. he, they don't tell him that until he gets there and you're like uh yeah that's yeah. sort of and, and then understandable. The, the the girl that he's like uh shacked up with like it just drinks all the time and is like just mm-hmm. party party girl and you're like yeah that's exactly again an, a different emotion just amplified up right so yeah this works she's because- a i forget how old she's supposed to she's she's an adult but she's like 23 or four something like gotta be something like that right um like old enough to old enough to be his sort of caretaker guardian and obviously old enough to drink but still not you know and again you know living in this in this place of like the monsters could come back at any time end of the world kind of live it up uh thing you get you get more about her character as the show goes and then they introduce another character who's a 
completely different trope, yeah. but uh, well, I, yeah. and it's, it's just the it's just that over the top stuff, and and it makes sense when you talk about emotional teenagers, and they they can watch the show, you can quickly identify with these big emotions that they also have, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's thirty minutes of this clearly is this, and I I have this, and I get it, and it's not about deep story or deep, you know, you know, real emotions, and and mm-hmm. you know, it's it's just out there it's it's just like the color of the of the show in itself it's vibrant and big and big things and then mm-hmm. and then randomly you'll have a big huge battle with the, the anime thing happen um and the, the all the show so far in three episodes feels just like that like i am living as 15 years old right now with <laughs> just moment to moment everything matter doesn't matter and whatever is happening on the screen right now is the most important thing for this emotion uh, so it's a little exhausting that way and a little confusing, sure. not yeah. saying it's bad. It's just, you know, that now when you, yeah. you compare it to other, I'm going to broaden the term anime here and say, um, I, oh man, I'm now I'm the blank. There was that one show you really, really liked. It's the, we watched it on like years ago with, um, the girl with the robot. Um, hand she wrote letters. <laughs> Violet Evergarden. Violet I Evergarden. Remember right. The name of it last week. S- sorry, can I, right. Violet Evergarden is a very slow and thoughtful and patient, mm-hmm, and 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 mm-hmm. has a lot of subtlety to it. Right. That is not this. No. Right. Uh, different. Totally different thing. So this is why you yeah. can't. This is why you can't say this is like anime. Yeah. One one hundred percent. Violet Evergarden is is a show for adults, and not not in the sense that like. There's content in it, like the gambling show we watched, Kakiguri. Yeah. Um, but in the sense that, like, a 14 year old is not going to under, is probably, I'm generalizing, a 14 year old is probably not going to understand how significant it is that a, a sister is glad that her brother came back from the war and doesn't know how to tell him. Like, all of that is too is too subtle and complex um, for a person with only 14 years of life experience. Right. Um, I, I will, I will so, end yeah. this segment with, with saying the most anime, and I went right here, the most anime thing happens with this show every single episode at the very end when you're, when you're watching this, this monster kaiju movie with over-the-top anime characters, and then it ends with Fly Me to the Moon. And you're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what, what I, the first time I, that happened, I was like, what is this? Fly what is this me outro? The... <laughs> and I mean, the, the intro is iconic. It's one of the classic intros that a lot of people recognize. And then you do this, yeah, this fly me to the moon. And it, as the show goes on, it changes. There's like, oh, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's every episode, but there's like a, a different female cover of fly me to the moon at the end of every episode it's so it's weird it's just so out of nowhere <laughs> that that's the it doesn't seem to go with the the show at all maybe it has some long-term meaning to it but it feels like oh yeah uh here's a cool song american song that we're gonna put at the end yeah of the, one I of think. our um one of our buddies justin who watches a lot of anime uh has this series in a box set so he's yeah. presumably at least a certain amount of, of fan of it <laughs> right and um i was talking to them him and, and our buddy Aaron, who's seen it too, trying to figure out like what sh- what we should watch. This that we're watching, I believe, and we get Justin on, he could probably explain all this stuff. But this is the original version of this story. It's the first version of this story. And so unlike most of the anime 
that's being made now, it's not adapted from a manga. They did make a manga, but it went the other way. Oh, cool. Um, and they made movies, and those are what you were saying when you go on Netflix, you see all these different titles that all have, have Evangelion on them. Um, the movies are, I think, either the same or a similar story retold in a in a shorter format. Um, and so presumably they got to the end of this and were like, boy, the, the beginning is not, it's not great for bringing people in. And so maybe we can, you know, just do a little bit of flashback intro and then jump into a, into a story. I don't really know, but right. uh, uh, yeah, there's some th also really weird was like history. There's definitely shots every other, I'd say about every two and a half minutes that they do what you described earlier as fan service shots. It's like, sure. Where the camera sure. is, definitely looking at the rear end of a girl or mm -hmm. they're, they're intentionally putting her in a bathroom naked with, you know, the camera just focusing on where her boobs are barely in the water. Why would you do that? That doesn't have anything to do with what's happening. You know? That's the, um, that's the, the made for 14 year old boys. Uh, oh yeah. There you uh, go. There you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Again, I think if you watch this when you're, when you're in that that mid teenage years, I bet you this is is I totally can see why this would be something that you totally remember. That is, yeah, this makes yeah. a lot of sense why this is super something, popular something and maintains some way. that. Not just for the, that fan service thing, but for like how it appeals to. I mean, at that time, it. that's also that's also an age where you're the most uh, susceptible, impressionable to like forms of media, especially music. Like, yeah, if, if some somebody is into music who is not so into music that they're constantly picking up and enjoying uh new things but if you ask people they're like their core like what their favorite artist or set of artists or whatever mm -hmm. i think in a lot of cases it's stuff that they listen to in that transition coming of age years because you're so as you said like between the hormones and the limited life experience like you're just so impressionable. You feel everything so strongly, so passionately. I agree. Um, I agree. That, yeah, yeah. That you, that, you that make, make these, you make these connections, and then suddenly, you know, a Smith song or a, um, <laughs> or a Ben Fold song or um, what it just imprints on you. And then when you hear it, you know, twenty, thirty, fifty years later, um, like it, it brings back, you know, that that nostalgia. Even if you're not aware of it, like yeah. you have, you have a connection to this song that's that's more than you know something you listen to for the first time in your 40s. Right. That, yeah, that makes a lot of, and that just that perspective makes this show uh, understandable to me. <laughs> right. It, it really is. And I'm, you know, I put it in. I only seen three episodes, and it sounds like it's one right. of those ones that has a long time thing. Uh, but but that makes me rationalize understanding this, and now I have to watch this show with that that mindset. Right. Uh, of this, so, is, this is what it is. Yeah. Uh, uh, just just briefly, because we're, we're short on time here. I did sort of watch um, Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I say sort of watch because like after a couple of our game nights, after I had a little bit of whiskey, I, mm -hmm. I pull it up on on HBO on my iPad and, and watch a little bit of it and then like fall asleep half an hour in. Sure, sure. Um, so I finished it up this afternoon just so that I could talk about it on the show a little bit. Um, but that was a confusing movie. 
oh, there's no for, for, sense in it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And I mean, but there's the literally funny, no sense in anything that happens no, in that movie. No, very like crazy, like hollow earth kind of uh, yeah. stuff. Y- you're saying words. If they just didn't say words in the movie, it would, it would be fine. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but between watching that movie and also watching this anime, I saw the connections where they would they did similar things in this movie that and I'm not saying that even Galleon, you know, pioneered any of these things. I'll uh well, one of them is a spoiler. I don't think you're two yet, but we'll see if if when you when you get to that, if you if you see a connection, you <laughs> message message me and then I'll know that you see because I'm like, oh, when they in in Kong vs. Godzilla, they did this. It's exactly the same as this uh th- and obviously, you know, just like two monsters fighting in a city is not yeah sure sure it's not anything new or groundbreaking but of course that's what they're doing in um even galleon yeah we we uh, as mentioned i watched that with justin in sydney in in imax um which mm-hmm. which when we we came out of it very happy right we, all three of us came out of that re- really happy. not like excited yeah, oh my god you, do cartwheels happen. i'll bet you got more out of the mon- monster fights than i did yeah 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 i mean 100 i mean that's what we were there for and we were and that's what we got. It's you know we everything else that happened was like okay next next next. And I remember yeah. I, I did mention you know that it's Transformers level of. I almost think that some the first Transformers was probably better dialogue and story <laughs> than than this one was, and that's terrible, right? Um, and, and and even more so as time goes on in, in the Kong versus Godzilla, I keep thinking I occasionally will think back to some of the human parts on there, especially the. Millie Bobby Brown parts and stuff. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, just so incredibly worthless and, and meaningful. And, and I'm not knocking the show because I enjoyed it. For... She's, running a, she's running around on this side quest with um, an obnoxious podcaster. Yeah. Right. It's funny. Right. And, and Russell from Deadpool 2. Right. Another annoying person. Like another annoying yeah. person. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it is all bad and it makes it does make uh godzilla king of monsters look like a piece of art with dialogue compared mm. in comparison uh and, and that's i'm like i said i'm bagging on it because of that um I, I can't who can't bag on that part of it but the get the part of it again walking out of the theater was that on a humongous screen or on a big screen even with the sound all around you uh i remember Justin and i talked about how we're sitting here and Kong is sitting on his island in a next to a mountain or something, and you can see these birds flying across his like kneecap or something. And it's like it's just <laughs> so epic, right? It, for mm-hmm. what we were seeing on this big, huge thing, and the sound was like booming when he stands up, and, and you know he hits an aircraft carrier, and, you're, and you hear kaboosh, and the water hits, and you're seeing it like that's really, really cool in this explosive big thing. And when Godzilla shoots his his laser beam into the ground, you feel the rumble in the ground and the, the mm. it shoots in here, you know, and it's like, oh, that's really cool. But, but if you think about it, there's all sorts of questions about like, is he shooting it all the way to the middle of the earth? And how does he get back up? And there's gravity. Like, see that yes. stuff didn't matter because you're being shook and you're seeing this cool, like oh, lightning explosion yeah. thing. Yeah. And right. None of that, none mm-hmm. of that mattered. And then afterwards you're like, Oh Yeah. Wait, I remember sitting on sitting on on the drive home. We're doing all that, you know. How, how did he get to the? Why they, did they, they even do that go there? We're 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 in spoilers now, but they do that whole and then when they, uh, 
whatever. I don't want to give any more details, but N- nothing, nothing Kong, makes sense. There's just nothing Kong, that makes sense. Kong, in the whole thing. Kong jumps down into that hole that Godzilla made with his laser breath. Like yep. it comes in through the ceiling of where they are. Kong jumps down into the floor and then they pop out the top of that hole in Hong Kong. I'm like now, what? Remember there was, there was a scene when like, for some reason, Kong flips upside down. Remember like with the gravity, I mean, that, mountain, that mountain. sort of, I mean, gravity has rules, so that whole thing doesn't <laughs> no, make No, they're in the sense, middle of the earth, Dennis. There's no rules in the middle of the earth. They're in this hollow earth where the 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 ground is the ground, but also the sky is the ground. So there are mountains coming from the top and the bottom. Right. And right. The, the only way that that works is if there is gravity coming from both directions. Correct. And there's a neutral spot at the middle. Like, okay. So, sure. so so when he falls, um, when King Kong jumps into the hole in the ground, right, he is actually going upwards, which makes actually does make it, stupidly. It actually does make sense because he would have came through this before above below. You have to think about it. Right? You should write it down on a piece of paper, but that actually okay makes okay. stupid. Are you gonna sense. <laughs> are you gonna do the movie? Are you gonna do the movie thing where you? take a piece of paper and fold it in half and punch a pencil <laughs> right right uh, <laughs> some kind of stupid like i'll tell you what of that that making sense is the least of the problems of the narrative okay of the like okay. right, <laughs> right. The, the, there's so so much more uh within it but but seriously where i said we're in spoilers here the, the the fact that he comes with monkey with gigantic monkey with an axe that's like got laser on the side of it is freaking cool right that's yeah i mean that's what our our buddy aaron said when when early when we were hearing about this movie he's like what is this like king kong is not a match for godzilla he is freaking radioactive and etc etc like i haven't seen these recent movies so i'm like why is he electrified is he dubstep godzilla what's happening here <laughs> um but you see it in king of monsters right yeah he's got his big his his laser beam and stuff and i'm like well if they tweaked it so that king kong is the same size because yep. you know yep. default king do. kong yeah. is smaller which they do like i i looked at the trailers and i'm like yeah they're the same size if they're the same size uh uh king kong has thumbs like he can yep. use tools yeah and they go down and he picks up that axe and i'm like yes i knew it he, he can use tools <laughs> he uses tools exactly right as soon as he got that axe you're like oh now we're on the even playing ground he's got a laser sword he's got a he's got no, a laser he's, axe he's he's thor Getting that, getting that axe in in Endgame or in Infinity War <laughs> for, for for real, uh, and of course, again, we're in spoilers here. Mega Godzilla is just a, like there, it makes none of that makes any sense, whatever. No. But 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 it's a robot dinosaur monkey hybrid, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That, that is, the, fight, that is fighting the, robot the and two and, the two enemies uh, uh, join join forces to take out the the common enemy. Yep, and. Uh, and and it's just it's just all over it. And of course, the one thing that matters is a human presses a button or something and pours whiskey on a console that clearly lets you hack into wherever satellite you need to hack into. Yeah, all all you had to do was pour whiskey in. All you had to do was unplug it. And, yeah, um, <laughs> and he doesn't even pour whiskey into the thing. He just pours it on top of the console, and maybe it drips into one of the holes. I I think it was supposed to be like into some vents, like some fan heat sink. <laughs> areas or something so bad that all yeah. that is just so terrible uh but anyway i i i tried to i i was trying to see if i can get a, a viewing of it on on the small screen to, to try to see if that stuff doesn't look 
what I remember as the cool big explosion fighting things was just as cool on small screen, but I couldn't find it. So I'll have to, hmm. to, to review that again. Um, but it, I, I still maintain as, as Justin and Sydney and I both did, all of us did is that, you know, it's that experience of watching it in the theater. That's just with a massive sound in the dark room and the yeah. people yelling yeah, and cheering my, and it happens. You know? My, my brother, Andrew went and saw it too. And he said, yeah, it's definitely not worth seeing not in the theater. Yeah. I would, I would guess that it would can, not can be confirm. fun at all, especially if you watch like on an iPad or on a, on a computer <laughs> screen or something that would be just awful. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, well, it, it's definitely a summer blockbuster movie. For no sure. brainer 100%. thinking. Hundred percent. Which is not even summer yet. Oh, did you, did you <laughs> they were really All right. excited. Well, we're we're running long here, so yep. we'll uh, postpone uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier for another week. Um, it'll be our last. It'll be the last one, right? I think. I think there's one left. Are it, there? Are there six? I I thought there were eight. For I some thought. Reason. I think we just watched. Oh, I don't know. I think there. I don't. I think there's Although, only six. I think for the events. For the events happening, they could wrap it up next episode. Yeah. Um, oh, oh! Short, I have a short... huge fan theory I wanted to talk about. Fine, fine, Dennis. It's right. my own personal fan, fan theory that I've never made up my own fan theory, but I've got one. So, okay. okay. <laughs> is it is it is it short, or do do you want to wait for next week? Here, we're already. We're I, 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 long. I, let, okay, let's just let me give give me two minutes. It won't be about the okay. show. It'll just be about one scene. Spoilers about Falcon the Winter Soldier episode whatever five. Uh, uh, yeah, for for one specific scene. Uh, so uh, at this point, we have seen the fall of the the Captain America, the John mm-hmm. Walker, right? John Walker, and, and yeah. he's been he's been humiliated. He's got the Super Soldier serum in him, and he's been. Uh, I'm sure you've uh, seen the memes by now. The gifts. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. It's it's all it's that's all happened, and um, the military has stripped him of whatever, and he's just came out after yelling at Congress and ran out, and he's talking to his wife, right? Mm-hmm. And then the big reel of Julia Louis Dreyfus comes in, right? Random out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Clearly. You see her on the screen. You're like, she's not a throwaway character. This actress, right? No. no. Um, and yet, it's, she's coming into the show late in the game for no reason, and then gives him a blank card and walks away, right? Mm-hmm. So the thought is, is that that this is just this is setting up the ending or something. I actually really don't believe that it's going to probably be. I think it won't be mentioned at all anymore. My belief is that. Um, that the, the, the big fight at the end is going to be versus the flag smashers and Carly and whatever, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and, and Falcon, Falcon and the winter soldier fighting them. That's going to be the ending. That's going to be the whole culmination of the show is them be- defeating them and him, him becoming captain America with the training montage and all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I think that they're just going to leave John Walker as John Walker has, because they've kind of ended his story as being captain America already in this show. Like he's not Captain America anymore. They've already stripped him. It's already done. That's over. Right. And they've already they had okay. the big fight already. With what's he going to do? He's going to fight a Falcon Winter Soldier again? No, they already had that big fight. Right. Okay. Um. So, my thing here is that I was I discovered online that um, Julia Wee Dreyfus is in the credits for um Black Widow, and Black Widow mm. Black Widow is supposed to have been chronologically. Um, released. It was well. It's, yeah, it's a prequel, and it's supposed to be released before this series. Okay? Oh, be- I see. Because mm-hmm. of the the COVID times, it actually is going to be released afterwards. Uh, I have okay. this this strong feeling, really, really making me happy to feel this way. Is that 
it's the character's name that, that Julia Louis-Dreyfus rambled off uh, is uh, a madam, version of Madam, madam Hydra in the comics okay so she is okay she is the head of hydra okay in, mm-hmm. in modern times um so again a very big character that you just don't put in a series as a little thing as the head of hydra today right um, have and we she, seen have we seen madam hydra apart from yes. the one arc in agents of shield no ju- just in agents of shield so and you okay. saw one version of her in an alt world right and that was alt. that was uh they were in the Matrix, yes. and she's a she's a very very advanced LMD. Yes, correct. Okay, uh, but and, so that was a v- version of Madam Hydra, and you know she was big in that series for that one arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So anyway, she's big. She's a big character in Marvel's in the Hydra world of all this stuff, and she um, is played by a very very famous, uh, well known actress. Right. Actress, okay. Yep, yep. It's also going to be in a uh, make an appearance in a movie. Um, so my thought here is that this is clearly the real big plan for Phase 4 isn't Mephisto. I believe the big plan for Phase 4 and 5 or 6 is actually Anti-Avengers. Um, here, you heard it here, guys. Um, <laughs> that that the, the thing that st- kicked off the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, and eventually all of the, the Thanos stuff was that Nick Fury showed up at the very end tag of uh, um, Iron Man 1 and wanted to talk to Tony Stark about this thing called the Avengers Initiative, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then he shows up again and recruits. You know, he talks. He, he meets Captain America at the end of Captain America, right? Right. Um, and I guarantee you, what's going to happen is that this uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus will show up in a tag at at uh, the Black Widow, and she'll meet Taskmaster at the end, who will at this time have been captured and defeated by the Black Widow, and she's going to meet him. And say, I need to talk to you. And that'll be at the end. Because she just said, I the see. most important, she told Captain America, or should I say, anti Captain America, she said, uh, the said best it, thing you could do name. is, yeah, is, is, uh, give me the call. Right. She gave him the card, like, mm-hmm. answer, answer my call. She's going to be putting together an anti Avengers. She's already got, uh, the anti Captain America. Taskmaster is the anti Black Widow. And I bet you she'll pick in the different movies, she'll pick the anti Black Panther. She'll pick the anti uh, Captain Marvel, right? She's going to end up putting this team together, and then you'll have your big supervillain, which is not Mephisto, mm-hmm. but you'll have your multi-movie big event that happens with all these bad guys from all these series has come together to be part of the new bad guy Hydra, and okay. has to be has to be fought. I don't I don't know anything about any of that lore that you're referencing, but it it seems reasonable to me. Um, yeah, what you say about Julie Louis Dreyfus is true, so. Uh, yeah that's that's my i mean there's nothing to prove that but if if, i'm telling you if if you see her show up and try to semi talk to the main bad guy uh in in black widow black widow that's what's gonna happen she's putting together the team you know right on yeah i'm excited about that so (laughs) if anything else happens in this show that series this is the one that i'm i think that could have long-term effects the breadcrumb cool cool yeah Cool. All right. All right. Well, you've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode one hundred and ninety-one. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. Uh, if you're interested in movies or pop culture, board game reviews, uh, you can check them out. Yeah. Uh, if you want to reach out to us with your crackpot Marvel Phase Four theories, you can. Wait, email did us... you just call my theory crack? <laughs> All right, it's fine. Right here. <laughs> uh, you can email us that address is frontporchpod at gmail.com or go to our website frontporchpodcast.com and use the contact forms there to reach out 
Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, please consider subscribing on your favorite podcatcher. And while you're there, if you leave us a review, that always helps us out a lot. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. Thank you.